coming to you live in a world where muscular mannies are coming. There are two unmuscular podcasters, and that's when the real turbulent juice is coming. You gotta take care of it. A proud sponsor of Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Travis. Hello, everybody. This is Brandon Cruz. Welcome to yet another episode of Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. So happy you could be with us uh, as we as we inch closer and closer to that fateful day, July 30th for season three of Rick and Morty. Inch by short inch. I mean, I mean imperial, realistic. Imperial. If, 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 we were, if we were really doing inch by inch, like there would be a lot more of these podcasts, <laughs> but we release them weekly, so it's... I, I don't know exactly the metric conversion, but you know it's we're 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 getting closer. That's that's the that's the main point. Is the we're inch, getting closer to season three. We should rename it the Inch by Inch Rick and Morty podcast. So <laughs> yeah, that that to- makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. Expect expect that next week as we <laughs> change the <laughs> as focus. we completely rebrand the podcast one week before <laughs> the uh, start of season three. Yeah, the the thirtieth uh, is also my wife's birthday. Yeah, and it's what what better present could Dan and Justin give? And she said to me, "Is there? Can I have like one birthday where it's something that I want to do? Not saying that she doesn't want to watch Rick and Morty because she she loves the show as well. She loves the show, not enough to podcast. So maybe she's kind of a piece of shit. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, she's she's okay. She's a she's a Fairweather fan. Is that her way of hinting that she wants to be on the podcast, and so it's Ooh. something she wants to do? Oh yeah, um, yeah. But that that does bring <laughs> up an interesting point, uh, and that is our podcast release schedule will be changing just a little bit once season three begins. Uh, typically, these episodes come out on Sundays, but because Rick and Morty comes out on Sundays, we want to watch the episode and give it about a day to digest, and we can get some fan reactions as well. So, the plan is to be recording these uh, the Monday after each new episode. And then hopefully release uh, no later than Tuesday morning. You should have it in your podcatcher of choice. So uh, look for that as we move forward. Uh, Brandon, I think it's time. Well, no, it's, it's, not, it's, any... not, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. It's not time? I, uh, I, have, I have to say something. I have to say something, have to say something real fast. <laughs> okay. I, I want to hear what you have to say. What I have to say is for like the last hour and a half, I, I had like a Twizzler stuck in the back of my throat. <laughs> It was just lodged there. I don't know why it was I, lodged there. I, I want to know, just just for, strictly for clarification's <laughs> sake, was it a Twizzler or was it a Red Vine? I, this is like a, an entire Twitter poll thing that has to happen at some point in time. Like like a Michael Jackson uh, bad video or uh, beat it video where they're just like they're knife holding, but like with pictures of a Twizzler and Red Vine. Uh, I, I prefer Red Vines. But I, My man. I like candy, so I'll eat. I'll eat. I'll eat every. Which is why I had a Twizzler stuck in the back of my throat. Mm, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I prefer a red vine, almost to a point where I don't want to eat a Twizzler because mm. it's just it can't live up. Like, like I see the Twizzler, and <laughs> and my 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 eyes tell my brain to prepare for a red vine, yes. and then it's just a letdown. And and maybe Unity, you disagree with us. Maybe you think that <laughs> uh, that that's just a terrible way to live your life. And you can let us know that uh, via all of our social media uh, outlets uh, over on Twitter at Rick and Morty Pod. Uh, what are the other ones? Rick and Morty Podcast <laughs> uh, at gmail.com. 
Oh, uh, our website. subreddit. Oh, that too. Subreddit, Rick and Morty Podcast at dot reddit dot com. And then the website. You're right. Apatheticenthusiasm dot com slash Rick and Morty Podcast. Uh, it's just go to the Apathetic Enthusiasm. It's on there. Buy a t shirt. Click the button up on the top. Uh, <laughs> help the show out as best you can. Uh, it's a good thing you brought up the Twizzler, Brandon. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done any of the social stuff. <laughs> that was my that was my intent all along. <laughs> I systematically and strategically place these these hidden. Did you incept me? Because right now I really feel like giving Morty A's in math. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, Travis, I, I, we all know what time it is now. We know what real time it is now. We know it's time for semi pertinent news. Oh, Red Vine, Red Vine News, Red Vine News Network. Am I putting it? Rick and Morty News. Red Vine News Network. So brought to you by Red Vines. <laughs> Not actually a sponsor. No. Uh, we have we have some legit news to talk about this week. Yes. Stuff I'm I'm very excited about. Uh, and first and foremost, one of this is almost a throwback to the first like two or three uh, episodes we did of this podcast. Uh, there is big news coming out about the uh, smartphone app, the game that is uh, inspired a comic book, Pocket Mortys. Yes, Pocket Mortys. And we have we have huge news. I mean, we didn't break it. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> don't break any news here. <laughs> like, we just re-report it later on. That's exactly right. R- Pocket Mortys has multiplayer now. It has multiplayer, and it's like a separate, it's an entirely separate thing. I don't know if you've had chance to check it out yet travis have you i'm, I'm gonna be honest with you as i always am <laughs> no i've had absolutely no time to check it out okay I, I i checked it out so you have the campaign which is a single player that's like a separate separate world and you have a multiplayer area which is like all the different people that you are interacting with in in that that portal and so you're just like walking around challenging people to to duels i only played with it for about like 25 minutes or so last night before I drunkenly passed out, but it was it was there. It was there. It was fun. I right. made I made myself a character uh, with Harvey Fleischman, and <laughs> the the username is Rick and Morty Pod. So if you go out there, guys, Unity, go out there, look up Rick and Morty Pod. It's his out there. And if you want a lot of free wins because I suck, I, you know this that's my gift to you. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. So can we we can look each other up then and like challenge each other? Yeah, yeah I'm I'm uh, actually in it right now, and I'm getting I'm getting challenged to a battle. Ooh, this is it. Right. This is this is breaking. I'm this getting challenged breaking. to a a battle. Uh, someone's someone's attacking me with Cup Morty. Uh, he's he's level ten. I'm level five. I'm gonna attack with Outburst. This is this is this is what. This is- this is riveting. This is esports at its oh my, finest. Oh my god! Right it's now. a critical hit. Oh, I, I, Morty is dazed. Oh no! Cut Morty dazed. Morty. Ah. Oh, now I have to pick a Scruffy Morty. I'm gonna pick Scruffy Morty. Look, we can all go. Right, all right. Well, I, we can go on and on. But while you're doing <laughs> that, I feel like it's important uh, to cover some of the other bits of news that that have happened in the last week. Um. So pick up Pocket Mortys. Pick up the new multiplayer stuff. Beat your friends. Uh. The other thing. This was he used uh, soggy kiss w- on me right now. The cup, mm. cup more to use soggy mm. kiss on me. So, so they must be. Is that is that a is that a is that a paper type Morty? Uh, uh yeah, I think so. I'm gonna switch to uh, I switch to spoon Morty, which is a rock type. No, keep going, yeah, keep well, going. I'm just clearly, clearly. I'm gonna. All right, so let's effect. let's talk about uh a bit of uh Twitter uh use interaction that, that, <laughs> that took place. Um, 
I, I I'm blanking on the name. I could look it up. Who's what's the name of the uh, writer who who tweeted out that Vice article that you uh, responded to? Oh, Mike Mike McMahon. Yes, yes. So um, so he had tweeted a screenshot of a Vice news article, and it was all about uh, product placement in new media and how people are watching TV differently and people uh, tend to DVR things or watch things online, and so it's really hard for advertisers to uh, get their product seen and there was this whole paragraph within the article about how Rick and Morty uh, has all these agreements with different advertisers and that's why you see specific brand names being used in the show they they mention how the season three pilot took place in a Shoney's and how that was like a big deal uh, other references to things like uh, Nintendo and other things that uh, are very common throughout the show i'm not i'm not going to say that they're wrong by saying there's a lot of product placement but it's typically not driven by advertisers being like hey show our product in rick and morty it's quite the contrary yeah the 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 main the main thing that that everyone had a problem with was like the the article goes to say these are like lower class things lower class things that they're advertising because they're rick and morty watchers are younger by nature and so they're they're advertising to the younger crowd because the younger crowd doesn't make as much money and so they need these type of type of low income product placements they can't afford to go to a fine dining establishment <laughs> they're gonna have to slum it at shoney's where it feels like home to that, me. <laughs> that's right and, and mike mcgannick posted like ah well they don't have like a panda or a, a dick vomiting panda express and I, then I sent out a tweet to him like, well, you, if you want to class it up a little bit, you can send them to P.F. Chang's. You can P.F. Yeah. Chang's vomit. That's that's high society. But I got to tell you, if you can't make it to a P.F. Chang's in the freezer section of your local grocer, <laughs> they have some really great frozen options. Hey, uh, and, if and, you, I, I, hate, I hate that I love them so much. I asked a question to Chelsea the other day, my wife. I said... What's what's there in the middle between Panda Express and PF Chang's? And I think that's a question for for you Unity. Let us know. Uh, Pickup pick sticks. I think that's <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. Okay. Uh which All I right. haven't eaten at in probably 6 years. But anyway, Yoshinoya. Uh, so yeah, there It's <laughs> a right. different. Yeah, sure. Different. There's a there's a there's a place called Szechuan Sunrise just down the street from my house. <laughs> And I think of this show every time I drive by. Ooh, but. maybe for maybe for interdimensional RSS, we can get a sponsor from <laughs> from Szechuan the local Sum- Chinese place that's <laughs> down the street from my house. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's worth a shot. I don't know. Maybe they'll put a sticker up in the window. Um, but yeah, so kind of a ridiculous article. But you know, everybody's looking for a way to talk about Rick and Morty right now, and uh, and this was a way for Vice to do that. It, I was guess. it? Yeah. Um, speaking of ways to talk about Rick and Morty. Uh, the nerd event of the year every year is quickly approaching uh, headed down to Southern California. San Diego comic-con is about a week away mm. and uh, we got a little bit of info about the Rick and this is, I don't know if this is the Rick and Morty panel, but it's definitely a Rick and Morty panel. I know that uh, Justin Roiland and maybe Dan Harmon, um, but I, I did hear Justin Roiland is going to be a part of this panel uh, it is the Science of Rick and Morty panel at Comic-Con. And so they're doing something um, a little bit different with this panel. It's not just talking about the show itself and maybe some of what goes into the show or the production, but they're looking at the actual science of the show and they're bringing scientists, scientists. in on the... 
science scientists. I don't know, Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody. Neil, no, no. Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond. Yeah, the scientist Neil Diamond. Uh, Just do the best I, you can. I, I don't think any of those last three people will be on this panel. Uh, but they will have scientists on there to talk about the scientific side of Rick and Morty and probably some of the things that are realistic and maybe less realistic or or ways that science is uh, dealing with some of the things that have been featured on the show. And I think that sounds pretty cool. Science. I said science again. <laughs> science Dude, rules. Doing my best, uh, best worst Homestar impression. Oh, because, because strong, because strong bad said, I mean, it's, it's, says, it's say something smart. To, <laughs> it's, it's too soon to uh, jump into suggestions and short outs, but uh, oh, big props to everyone who recognized the strong bad uh, quote in mm. in the previous episode and called it out on Twitter? Um, Brandon and I, independently of each other, yes. are huge uh, Homestar Runner fans, and I think I think it was like years after we'd even known each other, we realized we both had the same strong baddie a keychain on our keys. Yeah, uh, it's. I've got. I have. I've, I have all the emails on DVD. I've got a. <laughs> I've got a Trogdor right tote that I use sometimes. That Chelsea's got herself a Teen Girl Squad shirt. Anyway, once once Rick and Morty falls through, uh, and it's like the three year gap between season three and four, we should we should start up a Homestar Runner podcast. Oh, you just gave me you just gave me an idea. Thanks, Travis. I'm gonna I'm gonna write hey, that one down. I got you. All right, folks. Well, well, that's the news that we're covering right now. If you have some other stories or cool things that are Rick and Morty related that uh, you hear about, definitely shoot us a tweet or post it over to our subreddit, and we'll try to cover it in the next episode. All right, guys. It's time for the main thing, and this main thing is a little bit different. So. Uh, we have an awesome guest. You probably saw Wait, it. You don't want to do. You don't want to do the music first. I have. It's not. We're not there yet. I'm. I'm setting this up for the oh. main thing. We'll get there. <laughs> just. 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 Just hold your okay, horse. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so, let me. Let me get the timing and tempo. Yeah. And, you, you just work on your music. Come and on. The key. I'll, I'll, I'll point to you when you're, you just, you just let me do my job. You do yours. Okay. <laughs> uh, so here's the deal. Uh, Brian Newton, who has directed four amazing episodes of Rick and Morty, uh, is our guest this week. But unfortunately, uh, at the times that it worked out for him to be on the show, I was going to be, uh, on a road trip with my family visiting extended family. And so Brandon has taken it upon himself to conduct the interview uh, which you are about to hear, and uh, I I truly am so jealous that I did not get to be a part of this conversation. But uh, without further ado, here is Brandon interviewing Brian Newton in the main thing. I got main topics. <laughs> Main thing. Oh, you changed the category on me, you son of a... No, it's got to be main thing. I go... Tra Let me just tell you, Travis wrote main topic instead of main... We've been saying fucking main thing on this show for since day one, and he, he made a new tool, like a new <laughs> show note tracking tool, and he put main topic. Did you put sh suggestions and shout outs at the bottom too, you son of a bitch? Did you do that? You... No, you, 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 you didn't. Good. Anyways... I got amazing. 
Okay. All right. Hello, everyone. I am Brandon, and with me today I have Mr. Brian Newton. Hello, Mr. Brian Newton. Mr. Brian. Hi, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> Brandon, Brian, that's going to get confusing. Dude, it's, it's the BR. <laughs> the BRs go together. Yes, it's true. And uh, how are you doing, Brandon? I'm good. I'm good, man. And it's Brian with a Y. Let's let's all throw let's put that out there. It's yeah. As everyone tells me, it's the correct way. <laughs> That's what, nobody told me that. No, uh, well, well, they're wrong. They're wrong. It's mm. it's like Brandon with an E N at the end. They just they're not real people. I see. <laughs> uh, but hey, man. I, I first of all, thank you so much for being on here with me today. Uh, it, we don't have Travis. He's He's like, oh, I have a family reunion or some shit. So, oh, boo, boo. <laughs> so it's just, it's just you and me, man. You, you, okay. You and me and the Skype recorder makes three. Yeah, well, it's fair. I mean, Travis is just going to weigh us down. <laughs> you know what, man? Thank you. I've been saying that for, for years, and finally. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to you got, you got ditch them. You got you to spread your wings, man. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure that's a good idea. Uh, that's my <laughs> crappy one already. Uh, but uh, everyone's out. Yeah. Um, but you, you obviously, you've worked on the show. You worked on four episodes of the show, uh, Rick and Morty, the one that we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And you also, you also worked as a um, storyboard artist and assistant director for the the pilot originally. Correct. Um, so you know, one of the one of the first things I wanted to ask. And you directed Me Seeks and Destroy, Rixty Minutes out of season one, Autorotic mm-hmm. Simulation, and Big Trouble in Little mm-hmm. Sanchez out of season two. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I really wanted to know is, you know, when we think of like a director, as far as uh, on, on TV or in movies, we have this kind of image of a guy sitting on like a foldable chair with his name on the back going, action. Right. Uh, what What is it? Like, can you tell us? Like what? Yes. Yeah, directing an animation. The, <laughs> yes, the the billion dollar question. So, uh, live action and animation, of course, two very different processes. Uh, even in fe- between feature and television, the process is very different. Uh, like a feature director, uh, you look at someone like Brad Bird or maybe John Lasseter or uh, Bruce Smith. They would be someone like overseeing the entire uh, production process, from character design to boards to timing and editing and they would i mean they they would also probably do some drawings themselves when they have time uh to do all the animation uh in television it's a little different because there's multiple episodes being produced at one time so part of my job is when i when we received the script from uh justin and the and the the other writers we have to we read our script and then I have a team of my, my own board artists who I usually work with uh, for various seasons. And then uh, I, I disseminate the script based on parts and like strengths and weaknesses and who can uh, get done enough evenly within the... We have usually like a week and a half to do roughs and maybe three weeks to clean up the script. And maybe I'll take a chunk of the, the board section myself. And then within that... <clears throat> excuse me. Within that time, we'll just go through and try to hash out the boards as quickly as possible. But like, I am, I'm only in charge of my one episode. Uh, other directors have their own episode and, uh, we all have a supervising director who we work with, uh, for season one, uh, and two, it was Pete Michaels. 
So I essentially, I'm in the master of my episode and I kind of work with designers and the board artists uh, specifically to kind of like hash out the details that like Justin or Dan would want in the script, like visually. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That, that, that's really awesome. So uh, I have like a project management background when I'm not doing uh, crappy podcasting. And, <laughs> and, and so in a lot of ways, uh, it's, it sounds like, I mean, with a little more creative aspects in animation, but it sounds like a project management esque uh, thing where you're, you know, you're you're prioritizing, and you're saying, okay, we need to get this done, we need to get this done, and you're mm-hmm. looking at your team and and getting together the the entire episode. Yeah, um, and you- like, and sorry, this, and just to kind of like further cement that is that, yeah, part of our job since we already know we're going to be producing very limitedly, we see these scripts and it's like, okay, this is going to be a heavy episode because uh, X, Y, and Z. It's like a huge cast of characters or a difficult fight scene or like a really high concept science fiction thing. So when we look at those avenues, it's like, okay, so I only have a week to do it, and I have no idea what this is going to look like. So it's a lot of uh, getting it down very quickly and then running it through Dan and Justin. They have notes and kicking it back to us, and then we clean it up and get it done in record time. And then after us, it goes into animation. And normally, um, in a show like ours, it's a primetime show, uh, the directors only get to really oversee the board. So shot choices and acting are kind of all our bad. Uh, but the actual final animation is done by a team uh, in Canada called Bardell. It's a, the studio's called, called Bardell. Uh, they do the animation, and they make it look wonderful. I, I wish I could participate more in that, but on shows like this, I don't. <laughs> Got, gotcha, gotcha. You, uh, you, you mentioned... Um the you know working with the actors and and stuff too right so so i'm assuming like uh, no i oh. i do the acting not working with the actors oh. the voice yeah okay i got you got you mm-hmm. um what you know, when when dan and justin they they give you guys notes is it yeah, like is it a quick turnaround are you is is a very hectic thing that you you're doing or depends on the episode <laughs> so yeah like uh dan and justin both of them are very hands-on creators. Like they have a very clear vision and they will communicate that to you. Uh, if they like where, where, where it's going, they will kind of like just give us some mind, mild notes and kind of carry it through all the way into editing, which they're involved in that as well. But, uh, but when it's a, let's just say like the story's not working for them uh, for X, Y, and Z, or maybe just something, they feel like something could be punched up, which is frequent on a show like this then it almost has to go back to the drawing board. And we've had that happen uh, multiple times over the course of the show, um, least of all this most recent season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So part of that is when, you know, productions can uh, suffer oh, yeah. and uh, off the rails a little bit. I, I got you. I, I do. I do have a side question, not related to this, this topic in animation. Mm-hmm. When, when you say going back to the drawing board, does everyone just kind of roll their eyes? They're like, yes. oh, oh, oh I, think about it like this, <laughs> especially for an artist or anyone who's like kind of putting your effort into a thing. Yeah, it's it's sometimes just demoralizing when when you put your best faith effort into something and then someone kicks it back and said, even if it's not your fault, you got to redo all this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, God, I, I, I don't want to do this again. I mean, I have is another like difference between television and feature. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like most feature films, like especially Disney or Pixar, probably even DreamWorks, the same deal. They'll go through like six or seven iterations of the entire movie before the one you finally see. And this is in board stage and also in animation stage. I don't want to do the same scene seven times. I want to do it maybe twice <laughs> and then move on with my life. Yeah, you don't want to you don't wanna be like, uh, okay, let's let's try that again. This time with maybe make this line a little bit to the left. <laughs> right. And like I can imagine like actors on the stage probably like really tired of that as well. They probably would have a very similar complaint. Yeah. But like and, and like just with boarding, uh, like all, all the stuff that goes into um uh, working with the composition designs, backgrounds, all the various characters or monsters or props, effects. And that's why we do the stages in rough boards to clean up boards. You don't want to have to like rework all the shots and all the acting and all the cinematography in the cleanup stage. Cause that, by that point I've done everything I wanted to do in it as opposed to the rough stage where it's like, it's still kind of like pencil sketches, very loose, very rough. And you can easily like, you've, you've only spent like uh, a few hours on a, on a scene as opposed to spending multiple days on the scene, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it does a little bit. Now I, I'm not, I'm not a, an artist by any stretch. Uh, I, I have like my one ghost <laughs> ghost character that I've drawn since high school. And, and that's the extent. Sure. Um, what do you, when they come out with like a new characters for an episode, is that, is, is that part of the, the process? So for like, um, Autorotic assimilation, for example, like all those, mm. all the the Unity characters, is that something that they're created, like during your kind of process? Yeah. So uh, usually Justin will have some ideas in mind when he wants uh, specific alien designs. Yeah. He'll give us. He'll sometimes give a rough sketch, and he'll that will go through the uh, character designers who are better at better at that stuff than I am. Huh. Uh, and he'll work with them to kind of like achieve a specific character. Uh, coincidentally on autoerotic, uh, we used mostly, uh, incidental human characters. If I'm sure people pointed that out, how most of the unity characters you see are just like human characters dressed up blue with those three little prongs on the top of their heads. Yeah. That, that's, that's a way to cut down on production. So we're not fully designing a whole new planet. It's not, no, we just took our planet and manipulated it a little bit, uh, which is, it's just a necessary thing for production. Yeah. Uh, but on other on other episodes like the uh, interdimensional cable episodes, we we uh, as board artists we kind of uh, supersede the character designers. So depending on the show, depending on the type of show, you usually will have character designers design the characters, and then board artists will work off those designs. But on certain shows, like specifically board driven shows, uh, you will. Um, as a board artist, you'll design the characters, you'll design the backgrounds and the worlds, and then the character designs will follow after you. So it it's one of the rare privileges where we get the design and kind of like set the tone for what these characters will at, at one point look at when the look like when the uh, character designers get a hold of them and when they eventually get animated. Okay, so it, it's interesting that you bring up Rixie Minutes, uh, International international cable and you say and you say that one's more board driven what why is that because of how it has the loose improvisational feel to it or it's just like let's throw throw the board together and we'll come up with characters later yeah so fun thing uh 
all, all mostly all the Rick and Morty episodes are very much like script heavy. Like we have the script and we can read it and we can like see the flow of the episode. Yeah. Uh, board driven shows are uh, shows like uh, I think like Uncle Grandpa and maybe Steven Universe where the board artists themselves are constructing the story while they're while they're drawing it. And they have to pitch it, and like they'll get feedback, and then later on they they may do a script for copy just so for the voice actors. Uh, but we usually have the voice actors, uh, the voices ahead of time because Justin himself is a voice voiceover artist. Uh, so for Rixty minutes, all we basically had was the audio track for the different skits, <laughs> and then we had kind of like the B story with Jerry and Beth looking at the the view. The, I, I keep wanting to call it viewfinder, <laughs> but yeah, the, they're looking at their their alternate selves in other dimensions. So we we had that, and I took most of those scenes, and I let uh, Mark and Juan, who were my uh, board artists for that episode, kind of handle all the most of the interdimensional cable bits, and then uh, we basically came up with everything you saw. So Mark is a, a friend I've worked with for like ten years now, and I know he has a very like cute fun fantasy style so when i read strawberry smiggles i'm like all right mark you're doing strawberry strawberry smiggles uh <laughs> and like doing twisted stuff isn't also out of the realm for him so i knew he'd knock that one out of the park and then like uh i gave juan uh turbulent juice uh we can add dead cat ladies because i know he can make things look really gross he's he's an excellent draftsman and he's also the he was also directing on season two he did a parasites and the uh, second uh interventional cable and then uh let's see i took only because it was the best just on audio alone i took fake doors two brothers and uh and my eyes johnson <laughs> yeah and I, I think yeah mark did baby legs and quick mysteries juan also did a uh, gazorp resort field and he did like his boards look just like garfield panel comics and that was by design yeah so yeah so a lot of that's just us kind of like working off our strains playing to our uh, pl uh playing to like the things we have interest in and just like i could show you the boards and i was like that's exactly what how mark draws or that's exactly how Juan draws and that's why that, that specific episode has so many various styles because we kind of allowed for that yeah I, I i i gotta i gotta tell you when i uh when i first started watching the show um i i didn't i didn't know what what rick and morty was yet and i was in i was in korea my buddy was just sending me like YouTube clips of the show while we're playing like League of Legends drunkenly, and awesome. and I have a friend who works for a Riot. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Well, tell him I said hi, and uh, also I suck. Um, <laughs> and and he would send me Antimize Johnson and Gazorp Azorp Field, and and these things yeah. just like they just they cracked they cracked me up. Uh, oh my god! When 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 Justin breaks at the end of not getting my fucking enchiladas <laughs> every time. I know it's coming. It cracks me up every single time. I think I think it was Juan and I, or at least maybe Juan, had the idea of him like kicking over the cup. Because <laughs> again, all we had is audio, so we don't know what the acting's gonna be. Like Turbulent Juice, it by far was the most vague. Like all we had was just the sound. So the, we made up the whole like muscular men and penis and like him spreading his turbulent juice all over the kitchen <laughs> table and shit. That was completely constructed by us. Hey, sex sells. Yeah, yeah sex sells what? <laughs> uh, uh, do, I don't know if you have any insight. Do Do you know what turbulent juice actually does? <laughs> oh my god, I've I've been trying to deconstruct this for a while now. Okay, so uh, fun fact, 
and it may be on the DVD. I don't I doubt it. Uh, yeah, the, that rock structure was just straight up a fucking giant cock. We had to cut the head <laughs> off. <laughs> and it looks like it. We just literally like, uh, I think Justin was like, yeah, we can't do that. And so Juan was like, what do we do? I'm like, just cut the head off, literally. <laughs> and uh, I imagine that turbulence juice is some type of hyper male, like testosterone. Because there's the bit with the unmuscular manis get covered in the turb or whatever they're called. Yeah. They get covered in the turbulent juice and then they become like Fabios. <laughs> and and, the, and it's like, I'm going to take a deep cut here. There's a, uh, was, there's a show on MTV2 called Wonder Shows in. Okay. They yeah. had a bit. Yeah. They had a bit where they had like a He Man type animated character who like had a. Uh, milk he his nipples like lactated and and then he like spread man mank or, or at least milk so they just called it mank and that's how he that's how he defeated criminals by like spreading like his man juice on him and every time i think of turbulent juice i'm like that's a, for me that's a personal callback for that for that gag it's like okay this is just we we can't actually show semen so let's do it the best way we can just make, uh, make it super purple yeah, because, I mean, you can use semen for a lot of things. Hair gel, uh, maybe if you have enough of it, uh, an, an adhesive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, may- mayonnaise if you're working, you know, like if you're getting, starting your sandwich business. It's got the special sauce. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's there's artists out there, you know, the, the kind of avant-garde artists who, who use it for, you know, mix it with a, with a pigment, you know? Yeah. They mix into their oil craft, and then it's like takes on an extra level of them putting themselves in their art. Oh, that's yeah. that's deep. I, I I went to art school. I know the bullshit. <laughs> uh, the yeah, and like I haven't seen too many like people do renditions of turbulent juice. So I'd actually would like to see what other people think turbulent juice actually is, or does, or could do. <laughs> uh, in in the background of that, they do like the the ah, 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 like that that sound. <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. Who does who does that sound like? Ah, <laughs> uh, that might have been Ridley. That could have been Justin. I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> I think that was something they just fucked around with when they were recording. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like uh, those those things are completely improvisational. There were actually maybe two or three bits that didn't even make the cut, which I'm really sorry 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 we lost. But maybe they'll resurface later in the show. Yeah. Um. I, I know I think in on the DVD there are a couple of the, the those cut ones. Yeah, like unrelatable Seinfeld and the hospital bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, well, yeah. We so okay for the for the actual interdimensional TV stuff like that that would be the board driven. Um, now the the more board driven I I would say. Okay, yeah, I think that's what I was going to ask was because the the B plot with with Beth and jerry and mm-hmm. and some are learning that she wasn't on she wasn't a wanted pregnancy uh feels more of like the on the, on the scripted um character driven side definitely like i think that was the only time dan got to do anything for that episode <laughs> he, he they for the interdimensional cable stuff they just let we let just off the chain it's better that way because <laughs> uh, he needs he needs to flex his weird and i appreciate him for that yeah um uh, when I, I read. I listened on the commentary. They're talking about the how difficult it is for perspective when they're looking through um, the viewfinder. We'll we'll just refer to yes. It. 
so yeah we actually had a conversation about that going into the episode like do we want it to be a pov shot because that's going to be really hard for them to move around like it's i know certain artists certain certain audience members you have who are artists might understand this but unless it's a 3d shot to 2d track going through moving through perspective with backgrounds and props and a character walking is really difficult it's a lot of planning it's very hard to translate you can only move so far because at some point if like when beth was in her home she would have to walk through her door walk outside and like the, the amount of effort that it would take to like transcribe that into a 2d animation is just ridiculous uh so we couldn't do that we couldn't really do that so we had to hide it with cuts yeah, where you. how she's moving yeah how she's moving through her uh through her home and uh like jerry's pov when he's doing cocaine with johnny depp <laughs> uh so yeah we we have to hide an obscure thing so that's really just the cocaine scene is just like a pan and it's just a long drawing and then at the top of the drawing is johnny depp with a couple of like uh ladies uh that's how a way we can convey him with his head down and then moving his head up same thing with like uh, beth and the uh, i think mark did all these uh same thing with beth uh doing uh human surgery not horse surgery so we start with the organs do a long drawing up and then it's a human body at the top so that's just one movement if you were to do that with also moving through perspective moving through a plant uh through uh, an environment it's just way too taxing for an artist uh and a production so we had to like make the call really early like how much of this pov are we going to see how much movement is going to happen this pov uh, because clearly we weren't going to like cut into the dimension that would feel like they're not experiencing this. So we had to make that call pretty early. Right. Right. Uh, that's, that, that's really interesting to me. And it's, it's, it's something that you know, someone who's not an artist, uh, and doesn't necessarily understands perspective a little bit, but not fully doesn't so it's something that even like writers don't always consider when they write ideas. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We just, we just don't, we just don't understand, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. we're, I mean, we're, we're dumb. We're all, and we're done to that. We're done. To- yeah, that's, that's fair. We're all <laughs> ignorant to certain things. Cause again, I, I, I've been drawing for almost all my life and I went to school for this. So I come at it from a, from an, from an avenue of like, I know how hard it is to do that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to make other people do that if I can avoid it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that, that brings up a, a good question. Like, how did you, how did you get into, you know, animation and, um, and then eventually lead your way to, to Rick and Morty and beyond. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm actually born and raised in Los Angeles. So I'm one of the lucky ones in that, in that sense. Right. Where, where, uh, where in? Oh, like uh, South LA, uh, like La Brea, Crenshaw, South Central area. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm from, I'm from a uh, pass or Glendale area. So. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too far from Glendale right now. I mean, cause most animations in Burbank now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll say hi to say hi to my family. I'm sure that yeah, <laughs> sure you can see him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've walked by them yeah. a couple of times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I went to uh, college out here as Otis College of Art and Design. I took a uh, digital media department, which was the only kind of like moving media that they had. Most of the other departments were like illustration, toy, uh, environmental designs. So digital media had like visual effects, uh, After Effects, Photoshop. And I, I used like Premiere and uh, Illustrator when I was in school, and I did my own like two D uh, two D animation uh, thesis. 
uh, from there, I got a job through my uh, business seminar teacher, uh, Jan Nagel. Uh, she knew uh, the studio owner uh, for a place called Mike Young Productions. Uh, right, at, and that, that was immediately right after college. I was there for like three years before I got my first gig at Cartoon Network for a, a very forgotten show called Outer Jimmy's Head. And then from then on, I've been bouncing between like Cartoon Network back to Mike Young to Cartoon Network again to Warner Brothers and Nickelodeon, then back to Warner Brothers and Disney for brief periods. Uh, just the nature of television. You're never on a gig for too long. Right. Uh, you're lucky if a show goes beyond uh, a, a first season. And uh, I've been very fortunate very recently that uh, two shows I've been I've worked on have gone into multiple seasons to being like hit shows like uh, Rick and Morty and the other show I worked on at the same time was uh, Teen Titans Go. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so those are big, huge shows. I've never had that until like more recently. If I got on the show, it's like, oh, this could go somewhere or this could go nowhere, but who cares? I'm working. <laughs> I, I, I'm putting food in my mouth and I'm able to take care of myself right now. And yeah. when when, when things were going tough, that was ultimately very necessary. And I, and I make a lot of friends through that way. And so my connection to Rick and Morty is uh, I was friends with uh, my buddy Mike Chillian, who's really good friends with Justin Roiland. They worked on the original Doc and Marty together. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I helped Mike with some animation uh, stuff for Flash. And then uh, he and I and another uh, animator worked on the uh, community uh shorts that were on it's at the end of season two we did like an animated thing yeah for Harmon. and then uh from then on justin needed like a board artist when he was doing the initial pilot for rick and morty and he had some drawings done but he just needed like uh more professionals and someone to clean it up so he reached out to me uh, i was working at cartoon network at the time so i i spent my nights for like a week or two working on the the pilot for rick and morty uh, it was like the only animatic pilot, so it wasn't. It didn't go through that version. Didn't go through full animation. It was just a for Justin and Dan to put together like this 22-minute animatic just to show to the network, and then they can say, "Good, here's money. Now do the full do the whole thing." And that happened after uh, coincidentally after I finished up at Cartoon Network on Problem Solvers. Then uh, then Justin was like, "Hey, we got greenlit for our pilot," so I went to go help out on, on that pilot, Mike. Mike was also on the pilot. He did the initial designs for uh, uh, Beth, Morty, and I think Jerry? Or did I do Jerry? And I did the initial designs for Rick, maybe Jerry, and Pot and Summer. And we did some like expression sheets and turnarounds. If you don't know what turnarounds are, it's basically the yes. uh, spreadsheet of of a character in a standing pose and from every angle that we possibly would need to create for animation. And then uh, I did some expressions, I did some action poses, and then afterward I redid a lot of the uh, uh, sequences I did for the initial pilot in animatic, and then that got sent to animation, which ultimately ended up as the initial and first pilot or episode of Rick and Morty. Hot, hot damn. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Man, that's that, that's, yeah. That, that's that's crazy it, it, how how long was it between the the initial animatic that you guys put together and then um when the pilot actually went into uh production uh i think i was working on that initial pilot in august no uh maybe like september october of 2011 
And then when Justin got the green light for the pilot, I had just finished up on the show on Problem Solvers. So that would have been January, February of 2012. And we had about maybe three to four months on the pilot. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it took a while because like, that was a lot of like late nights with Dan and Justin kind of like honing in on the characters, reworking certain scenes. It didn't get reworked a whole lot, but it got reworked enough where I was like tired of doing the uh, the uh, chase sequence of the Federation aliens at the end of it. Uh, we also had to like rework some extra materials in there. So my claim to fame on the pilot episode is the um, all the chase bits you see where like Rick pushes over that. Like oh, I, I call them like sleeping uh, high. Uh, uh, suspend animation chambers okay. uh the, the bit with the the janitorial guy and like they hop over the, his his cart and there's like some creature pulls in the the federation bug aliens and then there's a couple of bits and then the most famous bit is the don't think about it bit where <laughs> morty spits out a life form and it grows and dies while they're running <laughs> and morty freaks out and rick's like don't think about it uh so i had to do i had to, i came up with all that material just because like Justin was like, hey, we need we need to pad out the episode. So you come up with some bits. And I had a few other ones, too, that didn't make it simply because like time and restrictions. But it was it's one of those times where as an artist, as a board artist, you kind of get to like understand the characters and understand the humor and put in a little bit of your own kind of humor and sensibilities in this stuff. And working with Dan and Justin too helped like really punch up that material because it was I'm pretty sure it's Justin's idea for them to keep running while that while that bit's happening and of course that's a pain in the ass for me <laughs> and i did it but <laughs> everyone everyone recognizes that scene now yeah i i think that's just so cool and to like have have part of you in the in in a show right especially from from the get-go from the outset and and have that be part of the dna that that continues on you know season one season two and now season three I'm very, I was very fortunate, very lucky that I was on that show. That just came from like never saying no to a project, even if it means you're not going to sleep. <laughs> uh, in, I think that's, I think that's a, a good, important thing to to note too is like not saying no, right? Not because I'm, I don't know. T- tell me, ha- have there been any times where you're like, I probably shouldn't do this, or maybe I shouldn't do this? Your insecurities telling you not to, but you, but you said yes anyways. Yeah. And sometimes that that bites me in the ass for another reason. Uh, I would say be discerning, for sure. Uh, don't don't let people abuse you. I mean, working. Uh, <clears throat> I've worked with Dan and Justin before, so I kind of had a a relationship with them already. And Justin's already, I know, it's a good person to work for. He treats people right. And then I've worked on other projects that ultimately didn't go anywhere, where I've worked with people who weren't um, kind of like good facilitators in the creative process, understanding like my role and responsibility as an artist, my expertise as a, as a, as an animator mm-hmm. or, or just someone who makes cartoons. Uh, and that doesn't always go anywhere. That can be frustrating and you kind of have to pick your battles on that. And I would say if it's worth it to you, do it. If it's not worth it to you, don't feel bad about not doing it. There will always be other opportunities and I'll, I'll use this as a prime example. If, uh, while I was working at Cartoon Network before uh, Justin contacted me about Rick and Morty, uh, I was I was uh, trying to 
get onto another really popular show everybody knows called Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. So I was I was attempting to I took a test for that show. I think I did a pretty good test, but ultimately I didn't get picked uh, simply because like you know the politics behind the scenes and just uh, elements beyond my control. So I didn't get that job. But right after, Justin contacts me, just out of the blue. So if I had gotten to work on Gravity Falls, there's no way I would have worked on Rick and Morty. Because I would have gotten that job, and if Justin contacted me, I would have been like, uh, I'm on a board job, I can't do it. But since I was just animating a Cartoon Network, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can I can do some boards on the side. That's no problem. Huh. Yeah. That, yeah so. uh, and, and if you had gone to Gravity Falls, then you would have contributed to a not-on-the-air show anymore. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then I would be making that sweet, sweet Disney money. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's that I'm glad you brought up Disney in that yeah. uh, because you did you did work on right now Kapow. You directed a few episodes for that too. Right. Uh, with uh, created by Justin Becker and Marley Halpern Grazer, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are cool. Uh, yeah. I so before before I hit you up, I wanted to watch a couple episodes just to see what it was about. And I didn't, I didn't catch any that you directed personally. Um, mm-hmm. But I, what the, the thing I noticed about it was like the sketch comedy style animation a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, I think of like sick animation back in the day. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. And, um, and, and how, and how similar sometimes it feels maybe a little bit more scripted than um, Rixty minutes, but it kind of has that same feel to it. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's, if that's tying too no, much or not, but I, I assume that was like half the reason why they wanted me on the show. Uh, they didn't, there weren't a ton if any other Rick. And, no, I, I'd say there's at least, there's one other artist who worked on Rick and Morty who was on uh, right now. Kapow. It's a, a friend of mine who I worked with on problem solvers. John Familier, who's a, a background and character designer was worked on right now. Kapow. He did the, uh, you know the first alien planet you see on uh, Rick and Morty with like kind of like everything is melting and these weird little bubs all over the place? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He That's his. That's his stuff. That's how he draws. That's his illustration. So that's all John's material. And he and I were working on uh, right now, Kapow. Uh, and I was working on that show with a bunch of other people I've worked with for a long time. Marley and, jo- uh, uh, Marley and Justin were also new to me, but like working with them, I had a pretty good time and they were very like generous and clear about what they wanted and we're always open to ideas and suggestions which is also fantastic um they didn't have egos about that which is great uh yeah i th- i'd say that show is fine uh it was fun to work on because i've never gotten to work on like a sketch show and the cool thing about doing like short sketches like that you don't have to get too attached to anything and if it's not a great sketch you can just like oh, fuck it the next one will be better <laughs> Yeah, hopefully the next one will be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like if this one sucks, well the next one will, might be good. You'll enjoy that. Right. One. It, and like I said before, it's one of the benefits to working on television. You can always just move along as opposed to if I was working on a feature, I'd be redoing the same scene for 6 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and 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 then and then see the final product and be like, god damn it, I just wasted. I mean, I got paid, <laughs> but I wasted all that time. <laughs> yeah all you can see are the flaws like i'll, I'll tell a quick story like a, a buddy of mine who worked on uh frozen and moana uh she used to work in television animation like the rest of us and so when she moved out to feature films <laughs> she was I, I was talking to her one time 
and she goes, uh, oh, yeah, I did like six drawings this week. And just to give you some perspective, I have to usually do maybe about 20 to 30 drawings a day to keep up with boards. <laughs> so when she tells me she's done six drawings this week, she's also a fucking beast of an illustrator. So it's not like I know she doesn't and can't work hard. She's one of the best artists I know. But I just heard her say that. I'm like, you motherfucker. You <laughs> absolute motherfucker. <laughs> but again, like in the end, in the back end of that is when they have to keep working on the same drawing. Oh, we changed all the designs of the character. So learn a new, learn the character all over again. Oh, we've, completely change the a story or the b story or like the 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 b act or this a act we had to redo everything all over again i i i wouldn't do that i much prefer finishing an episode and then moving on to a new episode and then moving on to a new show yeah yeah i i think that's i think that's that's cool um maybe not as far as a livelihood perspective but as far mm -hmm. as your creative juices your turbulent creative juices go. Yeah, yeah, I get I get way too bored, and it's kind of one of the things that always attracted me to animation, uh, television specifically. It's like I grew up on like Batman the animated series and Animaniacs. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that was like my go-to for like that's what I want to do. I want to make jokes like that. And I want to tell stories like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm the the Animaniacs and that that kind of that feel. Uh, you worked on Teen Titans Go, mm -hmm. and I just want to say, like, I watched the original Teen Titans and also Teen Titans Go nowadays, and <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's so interesting to me that they just kept all the same voice actors, but they just changed the feel of the show entirely to make it this more kind of like zany. Feel. Yeah, like like I love the original Teen Titans. So when they I found out they were doing a new Teen Titans with the original voice casting, I'm like, oh. I totally went on that show. Uh, and then when I found out they were just doing a screwball comedy, I'm like, oh, okay. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> and and I think that's one of the successes of the show. Uh, one of the successes of the show. Because I think if they tried to do a continuation of the original Titans, but also do it as a comedy it, with the same style, it would not have worked. It would, you, it would be too much of a clash. You either have to do the old show again or do something new. And uh, Teen Titans Go decide to do something new. And I think that's one of the reasons why that works versus other shows, which don't work as well as when they decided not try to carry on the same idea in the, in the same style, a new idea in the same style. Right. I think uh, immediately the audience will kind of recognize this is not what they grew up on. As opposed to Titans, it's not what they grew up on. They can complain about it all day. And that's fine because the writers use that to get uh, material. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I think it, you know, DC as far as their movies are concerned, kind of yeah. here, here, there, here, there, and everywhere, right? But yeah, they're, they're finally they got they got a good one. Yeah, Wonder Woman was was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, but and I think I think it was a good decision to go Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go to go that that zany route. Because when you see like Marvel in their animation, they're like bringing out yet another sp version of Spider-Man, you know, yeah. or another Hulk show, or um, yeah, and, it, and it's not going to be too much different than the previous iterations of Spider-Man and Hulks. So it's like, well, how's this much different? Like people forgot that when Batman the animated series came out in 1992, it was a rapid departure from everything we've seen from the superhero show to date. Yes. Like you compare it to the X-Men cartoon that came out the same year, it looks looks like night and day 
And the X-Men cartoon was designed and done by a bunch of people who worked on G.I. Joe, which is also in a similar vein. But Batman animated series decided to go way back to the 1940s, uh, 1930s Fleischer cartoons yeah. by design and by like, – and like that felt new to them. So when we see like Teen Titans, which I thought was like one of the best American produced shows at the time until Avatar came out, then that one trumped it. Uh, but they, they, the original Teen Titans, uh, decided to do something brand new. It wasn't Batman animated series. It wasn't, uh, any other action show you could point to. Cause like the style and the kind of like influence for anime and, uh, Japanese culture being put into it was very strong and striking. I really enjoyed that show for that. So it, it helps to do something new. I, I think it's what you're saying as opposed to doing the same old thing over and over again. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I use podcasting as an example of, I, I love, I love podcasting talking about th- this show and, and I, I have a Twilight Zone show as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, also, I also guest star on the one piece podcast too, which because one piece is the best. It's one of my favorite animes are manga. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're on the animation success stories podcast from time to time. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's the one I do with uh, our, my coworkers from Rick and Morty, uh, Ant and Sabrina. Yeah, it you know just just as creatives, you've, you I feel like you need to you know not just stick in the same spot. Otherwise, you know, you're not you're not challenging yourself and if you're not challenging yourself to to do something new, say yes to to things and um you're not you're not going to grow that part of you. I, I guess I'm Yeah. Definitely. Until you like you get to a point where you feel like you're an old master and maybe the, the emphasis on old <laughs> There's really not much point to it. Like the one of the, and then like, it's also not being afraid to uh, kind of like embrace, embrace what you enjoy. Like yeah. if you're not enjoying producing art, then your, your art's probably not going to be any good. Uh, I found out a few years back that I think is, uh, I'm not saying his name, right. I would say Sergio Ganes, but he's the director. There's a mad magazine artist named Sergio something. Uh, I'm I'm terrible. Oh, uh, yeah, but he does like you know he does all the silly kind of like people compilation these weird mag mad 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 magazine characters. Yes, damn it, what's his name? Ah, uh, it's gonna so, break me down. I know, I know, it's Sergio. I can't think of his last name right now. But I found out re- uh, a few years back that he never colors. Like if you've seen anything of his colored, he didn't color it, and nor did he approve it. He's just he's strictly like a pen and ink guy. And he did that and does that his entire career. And I'm kind of like amazed by that because I was like, I feel guilty when I only do uh, 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 like sketch design. I was like, oh, I should also ink this and oh, I should also color this. And I also should do backgrounds and yada yada. But I'm like, I don't like doing backgrounds. So I've never done that as a job. I let people who are good at it and who like doing it and can do it uh, better. Yeah, <laughs> the me do it, so I, I don't feel as guilty about that. And it's just that's just a matter of like following and recognizing your passions. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, Sergio Aragonés is is Aragonés. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car- cartoonist. Yes. Mad magazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all we're right. all cartoonists. <laughs> we're all we all even if we stick figure, uh, mm-hmm. we're still doing it. Yep. Um. One thing I want to bring up, uh, you worked on Me Seeks and Destroy, uh, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I I don't know how that idea came about. 
but it's one of the the best. I think I think a lot of people will say that it's their their favorite episode or the one that they introduce people to the show with. I, I've heard that quite frequently, and I'm always amazed and, <laughs> and thankful. Uh, I, the question now is: Are you amazed because you didn't think that would be the one to get people to like the show, or? Yeah, because like, like I knew the show would be good because I know I fan a community and Justin's awesome. Uh, so it's one of those things where I always thought the appeal of Rick and Morty would be very limited. Like people who like cartoons, sure. Uh, people kind of like dark, kind of like off humor and science fiction tropes, also sure. That's the one where I'm like, it's not even really science fiction. I mean, what is what are the Meeseeks? We haven't. I don't. I've been. I was talking to coworkers uh, a couple of months back when we were working on season three, trying to figure out what the Meeseeks are and where they come from. I, I had one theory. It's like in my head, and again, I'm not one of the writers. Uh, Justin has his own ideas, so this. You, this is just me with my own grain of salt. Uh, from my head, they are literally from a planet, and that when you hit the box, it teleports one of them there. And then they do a job, and then they die. But they're just like, this planet's like a holding cell with just nothing but me-seeks on it. That's <laughs> that's how they exist in my head. But I'm sure, like, I was talking to other people, it's like, and it's perfectly acceptable to think this, too, is that literally when you press the button, they are created into existence, and then they disappear and die right after that. It's uh, like that, and then that—that's literally the box is like a genie. They're—they're they're a genie in a box. Yeah. Uh, the—the idea come, came from, and I, uh, Justin will be able to tell this better. If, I'm sure he has at one point. I think it was a uh, inspired by a Mr. Man, uh, Mr. Show, uh, character that David Cross did, which is funny because we also had him in the, the M Night M Night Shyamalan Aliens yeah, yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, and there was like a bit where like this guy had a really scratchy voice and wore like a ridiculous one piece suit and, and I think would try to attempt to do things. I don't know if the whole like dying in three days was a part of that bit or, or dying instantly after the task was performed, but yeah. And then that, that one also had the giant episode. Uh, so it's like everyone remembers the me six. No one remembers the giants, but they do remember, uh, Mr. Jellybean, who is also an old character of Justin's. That uh, he brought out kind of retirement just to use for as a uh, pedophile rapist. <laughs> it's better that they remember him for what he stands for. <laughs> right. Instead <laughs> of the jelly bean he was. Uh, I, I have a, I wanted to throw this out there. I have a, I have a theory based off a conversation you and I had a little bit earlier, but mm-hmm. it has to do with, with semen. And, you know, every, every man's balls has, has, has little spermies in there. Right. And they're not doing they're not doing anything, but they they come out. They have a singular purpose, and, yeah. then, and then they disappear, right? And yeah, it, that's true. And at the very end of the episode, Beth talks about you know talks to Jerry about you know you're it's the difference is you didn't disappear afterwards, right? Mm. Uh, it's just a metaphor, you know, Brian. But then you know, but also <laughs> his, his line to that is like, well, I I got you knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do. That's what that's what those spermazoids do. There, there it is. It, we we saw. I think we solved the mystery. Of... Yeah, I think I think you're correct. They're just little meeseeks exist in that little box <laughs> until they're released, <laughs> at a, thousands thousands at a time. Yeah, and they're released by pressing a button. Mm. I'm not going to go any I further see, than that. I don't think we need. To. I see. I see. What, I see what you did. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, like meeseeks was the. 
it was our first episode. It was my first. That was the first episode I ever directed. So I mean, I, I was assistant director on the pilot, but that was really just boarding, and they gave me a title, which was very nice of them. Uh, but when I was, uh, yeah, that was the first time I had a crew. I was working with Mark, working with Juan. And I was kind of like, let's do this. I've I've worked enough in the game. I know what we need and what we need to get this done. Very few re- rewrites on that episode. Uh, I, I can give credit. I can give Harmon credit for one very important thing too. There's the um, the sequence where uh, Morty is being uh, sexually assaulted in the bathroom, and and the uh, the Meeseeks fighting in the living room. Originally, we did those scenes independently. So I boarded and uh, I boarded the scene where Morty's being uh, assaulted, and then I also worked with Juan and uh, myself, and we did like a lot of the Meeseek mayhem. And so Dan, it was Dan's idea in editing to like cut those scenes together on top of each other. And I think that really made that fucking episode, even for me, where I was like, oh man, that's, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so when we, so when we're sitting down doing the edit, like sometimes I have time to like go over the edit myself. And sometimes I have ta- time to sit down with Dan and Justin in the edit, but usually I'm, I'm too busy kind of like managing uh, upcoming episodes and my own episodes, doing notes and revisions that uh, I don't get, I don't get as much time as they do to sit down with an episode and even they don't get as much time as like these episodes often deserve. So, so it's all part of like how the, how the fucking meat is slaughtered. <laughs> uh, meat is slaughtered. Um, mm. spe- speaking of meat is slaughtering. I-, I don't know if this is a good transition or not. I'm not, the, I'm not the best at segues. Uh, <laughs> autoerotic assimilation is at the very end, right? Rick, is, Rick tries to kill himself. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I, some people don't think he tried to kill himself, but to me, it's obvious that he was. Yeah, yeah I thought that was pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, there are some people yeah. who are like, no, he's not trying to kill himself. Like, yeah, I don't know. Do, we you, have to, do you watch the fucking we episode? Have to win. Yeah, yeah. I, I, same thing happens when I like read One Piece. I'm like, did you? Did you, we not read the same chapter? Are we not watching the same series? <laughs> uh, yeah, he. We actually went through uh, maybe like two or three changes. That scene actually changed the most in that episode uh dan definitely wanted to like nail down the idea of how rick was feeling about uh this loss and kind of like realization of who he was and destruction that he can potentially cause uh and it got really dark (laughs) even some of the earlier versions weren't that dark but the only consistent thing within that scene it's always rick going back to the garage and jerry uh finding his weed whacker yeah (laughs) at the very (laughs) Um, two two things about that. One, the uh, I'll I'll start. Well, which one do I want to start with? I'll start mm-hmm. with uh, Chaos Chaos, right? The, mm-hmm. the addition uh, of that that song. It's uh, Justin really likes that uh, group, so that's why they're in there. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah I I didn't know if that was uh, whose whose decision that was. Uh, mm-hmm. That was t- all almost all the music choices. I can within eighty to a hundred percent certainty say those are all Justin's call. Gotcha. Uh, Fun little transition, just back back in time, real quick. Yeah. Uh, the original karaoke song Rick was singing during the Morty rape sequence. It was, I think, it's "Sweet Home Alabama." It is in the in the yeah. actual show, yeah. In the, what we couldn't get the rights for, and Justin really wanted was a uh, rhinestone cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for a while, it was rhinestone cowboy. Then when it ended up in the air, it was like "Sweet Home Alabama." I was like, "Oh, we couldn't get the rights for it." Uh, oh, well. that's, that's, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. But most of the other song choices like DMX, I'm always shocked. I'm like, Oh, we got that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Um, the this the second thing I had with that, I'm gonna have DMX stuck in my head. Uh, that's that's not the second thing, but mm-hmm. the the weed whacker. So Dan Harmon came out on that video, right? And he was talking about uh, the meaning of life, or uh, finding meaning in Rick and Morty, right? And he he brought yeah. he brought up the weed whacker thing specifically. Um, was the way he, the way he described it right is is Rick's in there he's so smart he's so he's so capable and and he tries to kill him kill himself and out out there uh, Jerry finds his weed whacker and he's so content with himself mm-hmm. um yeah. do, do you do you think that overall in the series that you know maybe are are we too hard on Jerry in general is is that the is that the point of it or uh, I I think that's kind of the point of it like jerry is such a he's a normie and he's very <laughs> comfortable being a normie and not only that he is actively trying to create a normal situation out of his house he's trying to especially now everyone's seen the 301 which is the beginning of the season uh season three mm-hmm. the whole like him trying to maintain the what he perceives as like the normal a correct family structure of like you're the patriarchy i'm the man and you're the wife and like these are the two kids and they have to be respectful to me and and that's why rick he doesn't like because rick doesn't buy into any of those like conceptions of like normality or family or patriarchy you know, in that sense yeah because like fuck rick. rick rick doesn't talk about like how he's a man and he's better potentially uh fucking right in that order of things i mean the only thing we have close to that is the uh Gazorpazorp one, but that was just mainly a, a kind of commentary of uh, a society where like these fucking ape-like men are being a, like riled and corralled, and the society full of women is just like, yeah, well, you guys can still be dicks even if you're women. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, so Jerry, I, I have a lot of like pity and sympathy towards, but only in the fact that he is so colossally dumb that he never thinks to challenge himself and the way things are that he just kind of wants to accept that. Cause like, like how Harmon was saying with the weed whacker, he can have those simple things and be totally content, but clearly having a simple life isn't making Beth content. Yeah. Uh, I guess Morty might be happy, happier with a simple life, but we also shit on Morty too. He's not the brightest bulb. <laughs> and then, uh, and summer also doesn't seem super content with a simple life. I mean, I mean, she's a high school girl trying to like find her adulthood in this universe. And it's one of those things where we all, we all know that like she's Beth and Jerry's daughter, but she's also Rick's granddaughter. And I think a part of that might start coming into play a little more in the upcoming shows because summer's being, uh, is a very popular character now. Yeah. Uh, and she's getting well used and well deserved. Kind of like it's not just the Rick and Morty adventures anymore. It's Rick Morty with the occasional summer adventures. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We, we were talking to Car- uh, Kyle Starks, uh, who who writes for the the comic uh, mm-hmm. be- before, and he was saying that sometimes they they actually they have a lot more fun writing for Summer. That she's she's a a more interesting character to write for, and. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, I can I can see that, especially if when I'm reading the comics and, and seeing how like she's you know, Morty's kind of getting this in my opinion, like a more kind of pessimistic worldview. He's he's going down <laughs> Rick's Rick's path a little bit. Okay, yeah. Um and where where summer she's still she she's still trying to take care of business, kick ass. Uh, yeah. Even with all the this the shenanigans 
shenanigans shenanigans shenanigans <laughs> shaboopies uh Shloops. yeah you guys have no idea <laughs> but uh yeah you're you're correct on that analysis uh the other thing i can say about the summer uh the rick and morty and uh rick and summer dynamic uh like like it's funny because like justin's never watched doctor who even with the theme song being the way it is yeah yeah that, that's like that's more elders thing than it is yeah just... yeah totally and an elder elder watched doctor who so he knew what he was doing Justin was just kind of like yeah i like that and i was like <laughs> oh, it's totally doctor who and he's like i've never seen doctor who i was like you've never seen doctor who you made you made a show basically that a uh, doctor who if you combine it with doc brown anyway uh so morty's basically an underfoot figure he kind of takes it from rick because rick's a strong personality and that's why he's basically being crushed and molded into like this uh, nihilism that Rick often presents. Uh, but like Summer is more like, uh, if for our Doctor Who fans in the audience, I, I see Summer is more like Donna, the Doctor Donna from uh, the tenant, the last tenant season of Doctor Who, where she challenges the Doctor. She Summer will challenge Rick. She like in the Needful Things episode and in the Gazorpsorg episode, she has no issue telling that. She has no problem telling Rick that he's a, he's an asshole and she's going to try to go her own way. Now, sometimes that works out. Uh, oftentimes it doesn't. But she's more than willing to try, mainly because she has she has some backbone. She has some cojones. Uh, Morty has very few cojones. And, and he's so abused and beaten down by Rick that like the only time Morty actually stands up to Rick is when he's actually pushed way too far and freaks out. <laughs> uh, you almost never see Summer freak out the same way Morty freaks out. So that's kind of a, a way that they internalize their struggle where Morty will just deal with it until he can't anymore and he explodes, much like his father. While yeah. Summer, more like Beth, will seek to challenge and prove that she's an equal and that she's just as capable and smart as uh, Rick is. Feels good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, some Tony, Tony, Tone. <laughs> I, I, I helped out a little bit on that sequence. <laughs> uh, that, that's I I don't know if I'd ever heard that song before, actually, by Tony Tony Tone. You kids. <laughs> uh, but then then like no shit like last week I heard it on like the old school hip hop channel that we have in Hawaii. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, all right, let's go kill some some shit. That's amazing. I mean, I hope that song kind of reached a resurgence because of our show. That would be that would be nice. Yeah, between Tony Tony Tone and Szechuan Sauce, which was just another one of uh, Justin's commercial commercialization jokes. Uh, yeah, resurgent here there. If you watch our, I think it got uploaded. If you watch our uh, animation success stories with uh, Abed Gate, who's a friend of Justin, also wrote a couple of the uh, interventional cable bits. Uh, he talks about the origin of the Szechuan Sauce, and I'll. I'll and I'll leave it that it's a, it's a real thing Justin did <laughs> to kind of pursue what happened to the Sweshwan sauce. And I'll I'll leave the full story on that one. But yeah, check check that out. Awesome. Yeah. And and actually that's a that's a great segue. Like how how can we get a hold of you and how can people listen to me more of you? Uh check out your your show Animation Success Podcast and so on and so forth. Yeah, so uh, you can watch uh, all our uploaded episodes. I believe there's nine so far of Animation Success Stories uh, podcast. That's the ASS podcast. Uh, oh, and, oh uh, I see. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, ch- check us out on Twitter. I think we have a Facebook. We definitely are on YouTube. Uh, 
we interview uh, people working in animation, people starting off in working animation, kind of like doing the uh, what inspired you, if you went to school, if you didn't go to school, how did you get in, or your connections, what shows you worked on, et cetera, et cetera. It's just basically us getting drunk and shooting the shit with uh, <laughs> certain people we know and, and would be willing to talk to us. Uh, you can also check me out on the One Piece podcast. If you like One Piece, I highly recommend it. I do it with a bunch of people who've been doing this podcast for, I think, eight years now. And it's now the 20th anniversary of One Piece. Uh, we do a show every Monday. Uh, animation, uh, animation Success Stories gets posted every Wednesday. And if you want to follow me uh, personally, I have a Twitter, Dark King Zorro, all one word. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about, like, politics and get mad at society feel free <laughs> uh and then i think that oh i have a deviant art to uh bannendorf uh check out old work that i haven't posted in like six seven years i've just been too busy working uh yeah right. uh, yeah and then new episodes of teen titans and oh, I, haven't, I haven't worked on teen titans in a while uh oh. rick and morty uh Right now, Kapow, that might all be have aired. And then uh, right now I'm working on an Amazon show called Little Big Awesome. Uh, the the first episode's already up on Amazon, so we're, the full series should be out sometime next year. Okay. Yeah. Is, and, is, uh, is, it, is that Little or Lil with an apostrophe? Little. Sorry, Little. <laughs> uh, little Big Awesome. Uh, it's, it's a kid's show, but it, it's somewhat psychedelic, and hopefully that will maintain uh and then that's all i got to say about me <laughs> well i hey man i tell you again i really appreciate you coming on to the show and and telling us all the stories all this this insight uh i can speak for myself and a little travis even though you know he still weighs us down uh <laughs> that that it's it's so awesome to actually get to speak to someone about the show who's who's worked on it has some of that kind of you know inside baseball mm -hmm. uh, uh by the way just a side note have you heard the term inside baseball before yeah totally okay i was having a conversation with like uh an 18 year old the other day i was like yeah a little bit of inside baseball kids and they're like what the, <laughs> what the fuck you talking about old man yeah that's that's a real hat in the hat on that one. Uh, <laughs> get used to that term. I'll, I'll say that now. Uh, but yeah, inside baseball. Like I watch like the Young Turks all the time, and they always they're always talking about inside baseball, inside baseball. It's 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 a term that people use. Yeah, yeah. back in yeah. the day, you know, back back in my day when we had to like walk like eight miles in the snow to get to school barefoot. That's right. In Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. It's it snowed. It, it from my memory, it snowed there a total of like two times in my life. Oh yeah, if if even that, I think I've seen hail two times in my life here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a term people use. You're not you're not off the grounds for that. And yeah, anytime you want to have me on, that's fine. If I can, uh, we'll see what season three brings. <laughs> All right, awesome man. That that sounds that sounds great. Uh, and I'll probably take you up on that offer. And maybe mm -hmm. maybe Travis will, you know, not be such a shit and join us next time. Yeah, fuck, fuck his family. Fuck that guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, well, thanks again for for coming on, and uh, thanks, hope, Brandon. Hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks.
Wow, Brandon, that was that was a tremendous interview. Thanks again so much to uh, Brian for for being on the show. I I really have no idea what you guys talked about because you literally have not had the conversation. That's right. Yeah, I mean, in this dimension, I'm sure in another dimension, it was it was tremendous. For sake of transparency, we're recording the bumpers for this before I actually talk to Mr. Newton, and and so when, I will when, I will say this. I will say this. It was really fun. Look, looking in forward to it. I, I appreciate him taking the time to talk to me and dealing with my inability to be a great podcast interviewer. Even though I, oh, you, even though I've you done give, it, for... you give yourself so little credit, Brandon. Come on, and and let's let's be realistic here. Uh, there are very diverse uh, realities that yeah. could exist where he cancels on us. And uh, we just have a really awkward hole in the middle of our podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we don't know. But what we do know yeah. is that tons of uh, you, Unity, have, have been reaching out to us. And it's time for listener suggestions and short outs. Uh, it's, let's, let's just start off with, uh, with Twitter. At uh, Quick6669 asks, will the June 30th start? Uh, will the June 30th episode start with the April 1st premiere show or are they going to show the second episode of the season? Uh, why, don't you just, why don't you just read that how you wrote it? Will June 30th we'll, we'll start, June 30th with, April start 1st? with April 1 show? Uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I take short notes and then I have to try and like not read it verbatim. I don't always do a great job. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be episode two. I, I don't think they're going to replay the premiere. Uh, and maybe they I, replay the premiere and then afterward, or like they they do the premiere like right before the new episode comes out. Maybe they would maybe they would do that. I I would not be shocked if they're running uh, repeats in in release order right up to the premiere. Like I, I don't know anybody who works at TV Guide or or the Guide Channel. You remember the Guide Channel, Travis? Oh yeah, I do. Uh, I. Which, you know, like I've got DirecTV now and they have like the guide like button where you can just like navigate it yourself. Really, really put the hardworking folks at the guide channel out of business. Yeah. You know, I feel for them, you know, they've they've got lives to live. Do you think DirecTV, like, like when guide channel went under, DirecTV is like, you know what? We like what you do. We (laughs) like that you're able to capture (laughs) programming in an hour and a half increment. The way you inject advertisements <laughs> into the channel listings is truly inspired, and uh, we want you on our team. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I mean, they may be hired on some folks. Okay. Uh, the second, but question. yeah, they also asked since uh, Rick switched bodies in that season three premiere, is he really still C one thirty seven Rick? Um, Brandon, what is your take on this? This is such such a philosophical question. Right, and because who are we really? BBC News. They released. Well, it wasn't BBC News that released it, but evidently scientists in China they were able to through what is it uh, something tethering or t- entangle quantum entanglement. They were able to basically replicate data from one proton here on Earth to one six hundred miles in Earth's orbit, like essentially teleportation or replication. That's another discussion. So. So here's the here's the thought. If you clone something like the Christopher Nolan's movie The Prestige, if you haven't seen that, spoiler alert. Spoiler if you, alert. If you clone somebody, I mean, are they still the same person? 
You know. No. Yeah. And do they have to take a shit? <laughs> uh, so, so here's 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 my actual answer for this. Uh, I I think I think the consciousness of the rickest Rick uh, is that of the C one thirty seven. It's the it's the one that I personally identifies with C one thirty seven. So. Uh, he he doesn't think of himself as those Ricks that he switched bodies into. He still thinks of himself as C-137 Rick. And so regardless of what physical form he mm. takes on, I think, uh, you know, it's, like it's still his, him. His his consciousness, his consciousness is C-137. This is, this is what scientists, this is what, this is what people do not understand. <laughs> Your conscious is who you are. And this... if you want to hear more about that, head to Comic Con because I guess there's a panel about it. Oh, so. hey, cool. Uh, all right, uh, thank you, uh, Q Quick Six 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 Nine. It's a very evil version of you know the sixty nine. <laughs> it uh, is. It's... N- next up, Twitter more Q is Mister Terry Wolf. I sorry if you're not a Mister. I apologize, Terry Wolf. Uh, Mrs. Terry Wolf or Miss if you're single posted that Beetlejuice. R- uh, Rick and Morty pick, and and we had I just made a little comment, and so it's it's basically Rick, and he's dressed up like Beetlejuice, and behind him are uh, Summer and Morty dressed up like Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin's character from Beetlejuice, the, their characters, which, which is weird because they are married in the movie and they're siblings on the show. Yes, so. and and that that was thank you for the picture. It's a cool picture. That's my only concern. Like, there's enough people ship shipping. <laughs> Rick and and Summer as it is and Eesh. and I don't I don't need I don't need that hard pass no intergenerational sandwiches uh, <laughs> n- not for me thanks uh yeah but the picture looks awesome and we we talked last week about really cool uh movie mashups and and movies that have inspired the show and if they could spin a way to get uh Beetlejuice or maybe a collection of of Tim Burton movies uh into Rick and Morty I would. I'd be all for it. I'd, and maybe not all Tim Burton movies, but you know, the the good ones. Yeah, the the, the good ones. Uh, which stop at Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay, email. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I love uh, Tim Burton. Well, we could continue this conversation later, Brandon. <laughs> uh, email. New email. Hey, hey guys, love the Rick and Morty show. I listen to you every day at work while I'm shooting parts, and every time I hear Brandon's on the spot song, it gets me every time. And then I look like an idiot at work. I just got to say, I look like an idiot every time I make a new song. Oh. <laughs> and I get to watch you because we, we have video up of each other while we do this. <laughs> yeah. uh, completely, completely appreciate you you tuning in and listening. And I, and I maybe we should just call this the Rick and Morty show. <laughs> yeah, we could. Uh, that email was from Keegan, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Ke- Keegan Michael. We did not have that in the show notes, so thank you, Keegan, for the email. Yes, not Keegan Michael Key, which would would be cool, but which you know also we will accept emails from Keegan Michael Key. Doesn't matter. You're you're awesome, Keegan. Thank you. Questions over at Sire Dark on Reddit. <laughs> our our unofficial uh, subreddit moderator there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, along with So Lucid, I I gave him access to. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> wait. You're actually giving people access? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving like so many people access. Okay. <laughs> We need to have a conversation about this, Brandon. How should I, how should I read this question? <laughs> uh, ph- phonetically, I think. Okay. Uh-uh. 
so you're with your honey and you're making out when the phone rings. You answer it in the voice is what are you doing with my daughter? <laughs> you tell your girl and she say my dad is dead. Then who was phone? <laughs> who was phone? Who was phone? Uh yeah, obviously obviously mom's calling, I think, right? Who was phone? <laughs> Mama's phone. Mama's phone. Uh yeah, I don't yeah. Um I think this might exist in the alternate dimensions uh that Rick and Morty are teleporting through to try and get away from the Council of Ricks. Uh, and they jump into that dimension where the phones are the people and they sit on pizzas and eat chairs, I think is the correct, uh, mix up of those things. Um, and in that case, mom is phone. <laughs> Who was phone? Uh, I, I was, I was on a business trip a couple months back and I was uh, with a coworker. Look, he went on the trip with me. He's in a different hotel room and he, I'm like, I'm just sitting there and just pants, whatever, watching Rick and Morty. I'll say I was watching Rick and Morty just for the sake of this show. And just pounding on my door. Cruz, Cruz. Because they call me Cruz. Cruz, open up the door. I, I need I need to ask you something. And he, he, he comes in and he's like, I just got a phone call from this guy. For I was, I've been texting this girl, you see. And, and I was, was talking to her and we're about to like meet up. But I just got a call from her dad and says that she's underage and now, you know, what, what should I do unless I get like, like he broke her laptop and I owe her, like he says, if I don't pay him, then, you know, he's going to report me to the police. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, you said you're dating a catfish. <laughs> then I said, then who was phone? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole story. Uh, he didn't get arrested because it was a scam. Okay. Yeah. Fun times. All right. Couple of reviews to uh to cover before we get out of here. Yes. Uh grass tastes bad. Uh Rixie Mixie Pixie. Uh wow, Ethan Great podcast. <laughs> Keep it up and proud of you. Uh was that was that a review for our podcast? That's, that was that was my thought was like there's a uh, there's a host named Ethan on one of the other Rick and Morty podcasts and he's like, you know what? I think I think this Review will go to Ethan wherever he needs it to go. Uh, big shout out to Ethan. Uh, yeah. Love what you're doing on the other Rick and Morty podcast. Um, Let us know what podcast for- Ethan hosts so we can leave him a yeah. review. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for the review all the same, yeah. even if it was not meant for us. Um, another one, uh, short and sweet here from Fedor87. Uh, if you don't know anyone that enjoys watching Rick and Morty as much as you, this is the next best thing to having someone to talk to to about it. Also, a great podcast for getting any and all news related to Rick and Morty. They are also kind of funny. And I think that um, that's an apt that's an apt description that's of very us. Very accurate. Kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I would never and, and and we have news related to Rick and Morty occasionally. <laughs> so you know, I think I think that's. It's very apt, and yeah, like when I when I'm gonna go update my resume, I'm gonna for Squanch Tendo, I'm gonna put skills, kind of funny, also kind of funny, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but realistically, uh, regardless of what it says in your review, we appreciate each and every one of you that takes the time to head over to iTunes or Podbean or whatever 
podcatcher you're using to listen to the show and write a, re- a review. It definitely helps the show uh, reach other people and lets us know that you appreciate uh, what we're doing every week. So thanks again to everybody for all of your emails and Twitters and questions and reviews. And Brandon, are you are you hiding behind your microphone? No, no, I'm just I just I'm looking at myself in the camera and then looking where my. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. Look, Travis, it, does, it doesn't matter. Do your it thing. Matter. Just do your thing. <laughs> well, again, uh, one final short out. Thanks again, Brian Newton, for taking the time to join us this week. Uh, we are actively pursuing additional guests to get on the podcast, especially as season three continues uh, or starts, I guess we're still sort of in the middle of season three. Yes. We're like, we're right past the tip. It's like, like they always have like mid season breaks for like game of Thrones or the walking dead. They're, they're changing. They're changing the dynamic. They're saying, let's have a mid beginning season break. Also, you mentioned game of Thrones. I know we're recording this on a Friday before it comes out, but uh, how about that premiere, huh? That was awesome, right? Dang. All right. You know what one uh, of my favorite videos is, Travis? Is is it's just a cat. And it's a cat's doing the Game of Thrones theme. It's like, meow, It's hilarious. You guys should go check it. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I like the version of the song where they just do the entire theme uh, by repeating Peter Dinklage over and over again. Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is not a Game of Thrones no. podcast. This is a Rick and Morty podcast. Thank you guys so much for putting up with us being kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> until next week, I'm Travis. I'm Brandon. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>